It's time now for the complete story, a public news and information feature of Bot Radio Network to keep you informed about the most important issues of our day. Now, here's the BRN father and son team, Dick and Rich Bot, with today's complete story. Well, I'll tell you what, folks, I don't know where you live, but uh, I would prefer not to live in Seattle right now. And frankly, a lot of other places, very discouraging, but this is now. The 4th of July. And what is it we're celebrating, Rich? Well, it's Independence Day. And depending on when you're listening, this actually may be the 5th, but it's the 4th of July weekend. It's the Independence Day weekend. We celebrate the independence of the United States of America. Yeah. You know, years ago, I don't know how many people remember Johnny Cash or his story, his life story, but he recorded this song. I want to open this broadcast with Johnny Cash singing the ragged old flag. Here it is. I walked through a county courthouse square on a park bench. An old man was sitting there. I said, your old courthouse is kind of run down. He said, no, it'll do for our little town. I said, your old flagpole has leaned a little bit, and that's a ragged old flag you got hanging on it. He said, have a seat. And I sat down. Is this the first time you've been to our little town? I said, I think it is. He said, I don't like to brag, but we're kind of proud of that ragged old flag. You see, we got a little hole in that flag there when Washington took it across the Delaware. And it got powder burned the night that Francis Scott Key said watching it right and say can you see and it got a bad rip in new orleans with packingham and jackson tugging at its seams and it almost fell at the alamo beside the texas flag but she waved on though she got cut with a sword at chancellorsville and she got cut again at shiloh hill There was Robert E. Lee, Beauregard, and Bragg And the south wind blew hard on that ragged old flag On Flanders Field in World War I She got a big hole from a Bertha gun She turned blood red in World War II She hung limp and low a time or two She was in Korea, Vietnam She went where she was sent by her Uncle Sam. She waved from our ships upon the briny foam, and now they've about quit waving back here at home. In her own good land here, she's been abused. She's been burned, dishonored, denied, and refused. And the government for which she stands is scandalized throughout the land. And she's getting threadbare and she's wearing thin, but she's in good shape for the shape she's in. Cause she's been through the fire before, and I believe she can take a whole lot more. So we raise her up every morning, we take her down every night, we don't let her touch the ground and we fold her upright. On second thought, I do like to brag. Cause I'm mighty proud of that ragged old flag.
Oh, for these times. Every one of our radio listeners, I imagine, our radio family, we're proud of that flag. We're proud of that flag. What it cost for us to have the opportunity to live in the United States of America. My goodness. Now, Rich, um, we have enjoyed using Paul Harvey often many times, and uh, today is no exception because he's going to tell us what it cost, what it cost for people to give us the freedom that, frankly, in my opinion, they are terribly abusing in Seattle and New York and Minneapolis and around the country. What a shame. What a real shame. But one of our radio listeners in Terre Haute, Indiana, why this is what he had to say about Paul Harvey. This is Jim calling from Terre Haute, Indiana. Thank God that somebody saved those broadcasts of Paul Harvey. It seems like Bot Radio is the only place where we can hear these much-needed messages. And I say, Bot Radio, soldier on till Jesus comes and gets us out of here. Praise God. <laughs> Thank you, Jim. Hey, hey, Rich, does he sound like a Hoosier? <laughs> well, yeah, he probably is. <laughs> all right, all right, folks. This is going to be something very interesting, something to really ponder, especially the way things are right now. Paul Harvey recorded this years ago, and we've had it in our archives. Paul Harvey's going to tell us what it cost, what it cost those who really made it possible for us to have a flag of the United States of America. And here it is. Americans, the how and the why of our beloved republic are so much better known and understood than the who. The United States of America was born in 1776, but it was conceived 169 years before that. The earliest settlers had watered the New World with much sweat. They had built substantial holdings for themselves, for their families. And when the time came to separate themselves from a tyranny an ocean away, at best it meant starting all over again after the ravages of war. Researching what you're about to hear gave a whole new dimension to my reverence for our nation's first citizens. All others of the world's revolutions, before and since, were initiated by men who had nothing to lose. Nothing to lose. Our founders had everything to lose and nothing to gain, except one thing. Hello, Americans. I'm Paul Harvey. You remember the cherry tree fiction. A long time after you have forgotten the more earth-shaking history-making episodes in the life of George Washington. You have misplaced in your memory the details of Ben Franklin's statesmanship, but you remember his flying a kite. Joyce Kilmer was a great military hero. But the only thing you personally recall about him is his poetic tribute to trees. Maybe of this current decade, that which will be remembered best will not be its wars and its moon rockets or its crumbling frontiers or the giants who lived and died. Maybe all that will survive to linger in the day-by-day vocabulary of generations yet unborn may be the, the songs of a Memphis minstrel or the reincarnation of electric automobiles. 
but for any eve of the 4th of July. I, Paul Harvey, do herewith bequeath unto you something to remember. You may not be able to quote one line from the Declaration of Independence at this moment. Henceforth, you'll always be able to quote at least one line. It's in the last paragraph where you will recall when I remind you, it says, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. In the Pennsylvania State House that's now called Independence Hall in Philadelphia, the best men from each of the colonies sat down together. This was a very fortunate hour in our nation's history, one of those rare occasions in the lives of men when we had greatness to spare. These were men of means, well-educated, 24 were lawyers and jurists, nine were farmers, owners of large plantations. On June 11, a committee sat down to draw up a declaration of independence. We were going to tell the British fatherland, no more rule by redcoats. Below the dam of ruthless foreign rule, the stream of freedom was running shallow and muddy. And we were going to light a fuse to dynamite that dam. This pact, as Burke later put it, was a partnership between the living and the dead and the yet unborn. There was no bigotry. There was no demagoguery in this group. All had shared hardships. Jefferson finished a draft of the document in 17 days. Congress adopted it in July, and so much is familiar history. But now, King George III had denounced all rebels in America as traitors. Punishment for treason was hanging. The names now so familiar to you from the several signatures on that Declaration of Independence, the names were kept secret for six months for each knew the full meaning of that magnificent last paragraph in which his signature pledged his life, his fortune, and his sacred honor. Fifty-six men placed their names beneath that pledge. Fifty-six men knew when they signed that they were risking everything. They knew if they won this fight, the best they could expect would be years of hardship in a struggling nation. And if they lost, they'd face a hangman's rope. But they signed the pledge. And here is the documented fate of that gallant 56. Carter Braxton of Virginia, wealthy planter, trader, saw his ships swept from the seas. To pay his debts, he lost his home and all of his properties and died in rags. Thomas Lynch, Jr., who signed that pledge, was a third-generation rice grower, aristocrat, large plantation owner. After he signed, his health failed. His wife and he set out for France to regain his failing health. Their ship never got to France, was never heard from again. Thomas McKean of Delaware was so harassed by the enemy that he was forced to move his family five times in five months. He served in Congress without pay, his family in poverty and in hiding. Vandals looted the properties of Ellery and Clymer and Hall and Gwinnett and Walton and Hayward and Rutledge and Middleton. Thomas Nelson, Jr. of Virginia, raised $2 million on his own signature to provision our allies, the French fleet. After the war, he personally paid back the loans, wiped out his entire estate, and he was never reimbursed by his government. In the final battle for Yorktown, he, Nelson, urged General Washington to fire on his, Nelson's own home, which was occupied by Cornwallis. It was destroyed. Thomas Nelson, Jr. had pledged his life, his fortune, and his sacred honor. 
The Hessians seized the home of Francis Hopkinson of New Jersey. Francis Lewis had his home and everything destroyed, his wife imprisoned. She died within a few months. Richard Stockton, who signed that declaration, was captured, mistreated, his health broken to the extent that he died at 51. His estate was pillaged. Thomas Hayward Jr. was captured when Charleston fell. John Hart was driven from his wife's bedside while she was dying. Their 13 children fled in all directions for their lives. His fields and grist mill were laid waste. For more than a year, he lived in forests and caves and returned home after the war to find his wife dead, his children gone, his properties gone. And he died a few weeks later of exhaustion and a broken heart. Lewis Morris saw his land destroyed, his family scattered. Philip Livingston died within a few months from the hardships of the war. John Hancock, history remembers best due to a quirk of fate rather than anything he stood for, that great sweeping signature attesting to his vanity towers over the others. One of the wealthiest men in New England. And yet he stood outside Boston one terrible night of the war. And he said, burn Boston, though it makes John Hancock a beggar, if the public good requires it. So he too lived up to the pledge. Of the 56, few were long to survive. Five were captured by the British and tortured before they died. Twelve had their homes from Rhode Island to Charleston sacked, looted, occupied by the enemy or burned. Two lost their sons in the army. One had two sons captured. Nine of the 56 died in the war from its hardships or from its more merciful bullets. I don't know what impression you had had of the men who met that summer in Philadelphia. But I think it's important that we remember this about them. They were not poor men. They were not wild-eyed pirates. These were men of means. They were rich men, most of them, and had enjoyed much ease and luxury in their personal living. Not hungry men, certainly not terrorists, not irresponsible malcontents, not fanatical incendiaries. These men were prosperous men wealthy landowners. They were substantially secure in their prosperity. They had everything to lose. But they considered liberty, and this is as much as I shall say of it. They had learned that liberty is so much more important than security, that they pledged their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor. And they fulfilled their pledge. They paid the price, and freedom was born. Mm. Rich, uh, do you remember? Do you remember another another message by Paul Harvey, where he says there was the testing time, where he said, "If America ever loses and can't stay afloat, it'll be an inside job. It'll be an inside job from rotting away." And caving in, it'll be an inside job. Remember that? We have to fight and stand for freedom in our generation, too. Yes. Uh, that's, uh, we can't watch it just slip away into the hands of the socialists and the Marxists. Now, now a, a singer that I just love. Oh, yes. Whitley Phipps. 
Tell me about Whitley. Oh, my Pitts. goodness. A wonderful uh, gospel singer. Uh, sounds classical. Uh, African-American man. I've, I've had breakfast with him. I love Whitley Phipps. You've played him. Uh, he sings Amazing Grace and tells uh-huh. about the history of that. And today he's going to sing something special for the occasion. I tell, tell you what, folks, just enjoy this. After listening to what we all just heard, enjoy Whitley Phipps singing this song. Here it is. While the storm clouds gather Far across the sea Let us pledge allegiance To the land that's free Let us all be grateful God, and, and that's a prayer, too. God bless America is a prayer. 
Now, listen, we have time for a few listener comments. Can I give the number first? Well, okay. Go ahead. Right. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, 1-800-345-2621. Call that number and record your message, your uh, maybe your testimony, uh, something about Bot Radio Network, how it's making a difference well, in your life. 1-800-345-2621. Now, here is a man who drives a trash truck. Let's hear what he has to say. I am a Republic truck driver, residential truck driver. I pick up trash. And I listen to Bot Radio every day. And my favorite broadcast is Focus on the Family. It helps me be a better father, a better husband, and a better person all around. Praise God. That's what the Bible teaching programs that we carry is committed to doing. Help people. Help people come closer to the Lord and then apply it to their daily living. I mean, he said it like I felt it Mm -hmm. all these years. Now, here's a lady, goodness sakes, from Hawaii. I just wanted to call and let you all know that I appreciate Spot Radio Network. I actually live in Hawaii, but travel to Indiana for work, and I find myself always looking forward to tuning into your station and whatever rental car I end up with and I always make sure to put it on my favorites list because it's the first thing I listen to in the morning and listen to you throughout the day at various shows. I've even found you on TuneIn Radio, so I intend to take you home with me and listen to you no matter where I find myself throughout the country. Oh, she mentions that nice? She mentions TuneIn Radio. That's an app that you can put on your phone, but you can also put the Bot Radio Network app on there. Download that, and you can listen to Bot Radio Network wherever you are. And then if you have one of those Amazon Echo devices, you can have just say, Alexa, play Bot Radio Network, and boom, there we are wherever you are as long as you have Internet access. Well, here is Johnny from East Texas. Hello, my name is Johnny. I just want to say Bot Radio has very much helped my life here in East Texas. I had nowhere to go or, or anyone to turn to for counsel or encouragement, and your radio station has helped me. Well, and then here is Bernadette in Nashville, Tennessee. My name is Bernadette. I'm calling from Nashville, Tennessee, and I love Bot Radio. It has really helped me because I can now tell other people who've been wanting to find Christian stations to listen to with nothing but the word they were hungry for. I'm just thankful to God, to all of you. Thank you so much. You're such a wonderful blessing to me daily. God bless you all. Bernadette is right. It's the word. It's the word of God that has the power to change hearts and lives today. Now, and I just God's imagine, word will not return void. And I love hearing from these truck drivers. When I, when I think of them going down the road, going down the highway, looking out over the landscape, uh, doing something America needs to have done. But here is a, here's a truck driver. Let's see what he has to say. Yes, I'm a truck driver. Your radio station sure does make the miles click by with a smile on my face and a song in my heart. Thank you so much. You're such a blessing. You know, Rich, we have a few minutes left. Um, there is another another um, in our archives um, to kind of end the program with Red Skelton. Red Skelton. Oh, I'm telling you, when I was uh, when I was just a teenager, maybe even younger. Did we ever enjoy listening to him on the radio? But he was more than a comedian, more than a comedian. And he recorded something called the Pledge of Allegiance. I want our listeners to hear that now. I, me, an individual, a committee of one, pledge 
dedicate all of my worldly goods to give without self-pity. Allegiance, my love and my devotion to the flag, our standard, O oh glory, a symbol of freedom. Wherever she waves, there's respect, because your loyalty has given her a dignity that shouts freedom is everybody's job. United. That means that we have all come together. States. Individual communities that have united into 48 great states. 48 individual communities with pride and dignity and purpose. All divided with imaginary boundaries, yet united to a common purpose. And that's love for country. And to the Republic. Republic, a state in which sovereign power is invested in representatives chosen by the people to govern. And government is the people, and it's from the people to the leaders, not from the leaders to the people, for which it stands. One nation, one nation, meaning so blessed by God, indivisible, incapable of being divided with liberty, which is freedom, the right of power to live one's own life without threats, fear, or some sort of retaliation. And justice, the principle or qualities of dealing fairly with others. For all. For all. Which means, boys and girls, it's as much your country as it is mine. And now, boys and girls, let me hear you recite the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Since I was a small boy, two states have been added to our country, and two words have been added to the Pledge of Allegiance under God. Wouldn't it be a pity if someone said that is a prayer and that would be eliminated from schools too? That's a good place to end the program, isn't it, Rich? We're about out of time. 1-800-345-2621. All right. This is Dick Bott with this chapter of The Complete Story with my son, Rich. Happy Independence Day. We'll see you later. 